Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Happy Masturbation Month. So this month, as you guys know, month of May is the Masturbation Month. And about two years ago, we had this interview with Dr. Jennifer Gonzalez around masturbation. And it continues to be one of the most popular episodes of this uh, show. And I keep hearing from you guys that you're interested to learn more about solo sex or masturbation. But before I go further in this topic, I wanted to remind you guys that in a week from now, starting Sunday, May 26th, we're starting this small group of four or five women around teaching them to improve their relationship with their body. The class called Reshaping Body Image, and it's taught by one of our wonderful therapists in my practice, Bahar Mohepan. And we talk about strategies and skills that you can implement to improve your relationship with your body. Because we all know this is the time of the year that we constantly get information about how to make uh, uh, your body Beach ready, which I think is ridiculous because they think the way that you can make your body beach ready is working from within and working on helping to have a better relationship with your body. So if this is something that you're struggling and you know the summer is around the corner, give us a call at 310-600-9912 or you can email me at drmaoli at sexologypodcast.com to reserve your spot. Uh, the class is going to be only for eight weeks and the fee for each, each class will be $40. So as I shared with you, we're going to talk about masturbation and also we're going to talk about pre-orgasmic women. We're going to talk about what does that mean? And then we're going to talk also about some of our favorite sex toys and what are some of the things that we recommend to our clients to use. Our guest is Vanessa Marin. She's a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sex therapy. She's here to help you stop feeling embarrassed about sex and start having way more fun in the bedroom. She has a bachelor's degree in human sexuality and sociology from Brown University and master's degree in counseling psychology. She writes for the New York Times, Allure, Lifehacker, and has been featured over 1,000 times in major publications like O, Oprah Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, Refinery29, and Real Simple. Vanessa specializes in online programs that help you transform your sex life from ordinary to extraordinary, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. So she has multiple courses that she talks about it. And also you can check out her website at vmtherapy.com to learn more about the content that she has. All right, here's my interview with Vanessa Marin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have a licensed psychotherapist and sex therapist, Vanessa Marind, in our show. Vanessa, welcome to our show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. 
I am so excited to talk about female orgasm and how can we help women to reach orgasm if that's something that they haven't experienced. It's, I feel like I already had like 20 episodes on this, but this is such an important <laughs> topic and one of my favorite topics that I think we can certainly explore it more. Oh, yes. I think I could talk about female orgasm nonstop for probably a couple weeks at a time. So it's, it's one of my favorite topics, too. So it's certainly in a good company. Yes. <laughs> so let's start with talking about some of the most common myths about female orgasm that you hear. Oh my goodness, there are so many myths, and I feel like I'm hearing a new one every day too. <laughs> so there are just so many different ones, but I think three of the most common ones that I tend to hear over and over again. First and foremost, the number one myth that I hear, I think I probably hear this every single day, is this idea that women are supposed to orgasm from penetration. So that's a huge one. Um, another big one is this idea that female orgasm is much more complicated, especially when you compare it to male orgasm. That female orgasm, it's really difficult, it's kind of mysterious, it's something that's just so challenging. And then the third one that I hear the most often is that some women will just never be able to orgasm. So I'd say those are my top three. Oh my God. The last one just like broke my heart. I, oh, I know. I, the last one. And I think, I know orgasms are elusive at time. And, you know, sometimes when people focus on them, it's harder to achieve. But I think I, I hate it when people say, well, I just enjoy the journey. <laughs> because uh-huh. I think orgasm is important too. But do you see that there are ways that women are trained to sabotage their orgasmic potentials? Absolutely. I think there are so many different ways that this can happen. So first and foremost is the myths. You know, there's just so many myths out there. There's so much misinformation. And so a lot of women, that's all that they have to go off of. So it's very easy to feel like you're broken. There's something horribly wrong with you. It's just never going to happen for you. There's a real lack of information about even super basic things like how our bodies work, you know, how our anatomy works, what, you know, how an orgasm actually works. We're taught to feel a lot of shame about our bodies. I mean, especially as women, you know, we're really taught to hate our bodies from a very early age and our genitals in particular that, you know, they look funny and they smell weird and they taste bad. So we're taught all of this shame and embarrassment. We're discouraged from exploring our own bodies through masturbation. A lot of women feel a great deal of shame around that, that it's something that they're not supposed to do. And we're also taught to prioritize male pleasure. So in relationships where you know, a woman is sleeping with a man, um, she's really taught to prioritize his pleasure over her own. So there are just so many factors that can get in the way of women being able to experience peak pleasure on their own and with their partners. And I think to the point of the first myth that you mentioned that women think like, you know, the most, like most reliable or I guess like, you know, most common way of reaching orgasm is penetration. It's very shocking to hear that how many even adult women thinking that and how this information is congruent with what we hear in the research and what I hear from my clients. And I'm sure that's your experience too, that kind of penetration at times can help some women to reach orgasm and at times I, know, I heard the kind of argument that at times it's a it's a, also a form of clitoral stimulation 
that women who experience orgasm through kind of penetration or reaching orgasm. So I think that's that's one of the common ones. And the other one is like the, this issue around hating our body. And you talked about lack of information. And I get shocked how many of my clients, and again, including myself growing up, I didn't have that much sex education. Mm-hmm. And all the education that you get is from porn. And porn, uh-huh. like a movie, and it shows you as like just only one kind of body, like vulva, like which is usually altered or changed. Mm-hmm. People think there's something wrong with them if their vulva is different than what's depicted in the media. Definitely, yeah. The you know we see so much porn where the bodies look exactly the same, and even if you rationally understand that's not what bodies all look like, when you see that over and over and over and over again, and it's the only thing you see, it's really hard not to internalize that and believe that that's what your body is supposed to look like. So I work with so many women who are really ashamed of their genitals, and they you know maybe a woman has one one of her labias longer than the other, or she thinks they're a weird shape or a different color. And so we get really hung up on these things and they can profoundly get in the way of us being able to experience pleasure in our bodies. You know, if you're hating your body, if you're beating your body up in your own head, it's really difficult to feel pleasure in that body. Right. And I think the other part of it is kind of rise of this plastic surgery around kind of like changing the shape of your genital. And as as someone who works with people with eating disorder, disorder, body image and shape, I feel conflicted about it because I feel like it partly is women's decision. If they want to do surgery, it's up to them. But I feel this distortion that we see in the media about kind of portrayal of one form of labia and vulva and all of that kind of it can turn to this obsession for women that feeling that unless I have this shape, there's something about my body that's broken and I'm not be able to enjoy sex. Yeah, I'm with you there on that one. I I do believe that it's a woman's right to choose whatever she wants to do with her body. And if that includes plastic surgery, then that includes plastic surgery. But it does make me really sad to see that so many women feel like they have to get these surgeries because their labia or their, you know, vulva looks slightly different from something that they've seen in a porn. So I, you know, I think it's just so important for us to be able to recognize the amazing amount of beautiful diversity that we have in our bodies. So there's actually a really cool Instagram account that I follow called the Vulva Gallery. And what they do is they they do little illustrations of real women's vulvas. So their illustrations are not pictures. um, They're pretty cute. But it's really beautiful just to scroll through it and see how much diversity you can see. Um, And they usually tell the story of the woman whose um, vulva is being portrayed. So it's just, you know, again, even though it's an illustration, it's not an actual image, it's still very powerful to see oh my gosh, there are so many different kinds of vulvas. They all look so different. And it's really great to see all of that diversity instead of feeling like we all need to look the exact same way. How interesting. I haven't heard about the account. Now I have to go and check it. And I love that they have the story behind the person. Yeah, it's really great. I love following it. So I definitely recommend checking it out. And I think that one of the other things you mentioned that this kind of male-centered kind of like sexuality, and I went uh, last week, Dr. Lermont, she was in LA and we she had this like recent book and it was her kind of a dinner that she had. And it was interesting that she was talking about how the language also plays a role in it because our language are kind of more male-centered. She was telling us that 
many women, as, as you and me probably uh, know, that reach orgasm through clitoral stimulation. And we call kind of like foreplay, like foreplay, like oh, yes. for actual <laughs> thing. And actually for many women, that's the actual sex. Mm-hmm. And then call the penetration, many people, the definition of the penetration is sex. Yes. And how, how that's kind of like centered around kind of ideology, like this mentality of the sex is penetration, because that's the way that usually men achieve orgasm. Definitely. You know, I hate the word foreplay for that exact reason. You know, it implies that these are the things that we do before we get to the real thing. And so I've been brainstorming for such a long time trying to come up with some sort of different word, but I just haven't been able to come up with anything wonderful. So I'm still thinking what's what's some <laughs> language, the way that we can change the language and and emphasize that these are activities that it, you know, you're not just doing it for two minutes as a lead up to intercourse. These are things that bring most women the most pleasure and can also be really fun to weave throughout an entire sexual experience rather than having this kind of straight A to B path that a lot of couples follow. Yeah. And she was talking about, then what if we call the foreplay sex (laughs) and then penetration (laughs) is post-sex and how would that change the dynamic, which was interesting. Oh, I like that. (laughs) So let's talk about pre-orgasmic women. What is the definition of a pre-orgasmic woman? So I really like using the phrase pre-orgasmic because to me it implies that a woman has not learned how to orgasm yet. The other word that you often hear is anorgasmic, which means a woman can't orgasm. So I like pre so much better because it implies that yet, you know, that it's something that can still happen, not that it's something that will never happen. I love that too, because I think that's kind of like a change even in the language, because our language is very powerful tool, can give people hope and can be motivating for them to work on reaching the orgasms as something that they they are interested in. So tell us how many percentage of women are pre-orgasmic? You know, we really don't have super good figures about this. So sometimes you'll see figures around 15%, sometimes around 40%, but I've never seen any research that felt, you know, really conclusive around it. And I think it's because the number is always shifting and changing, but I would say it's somewhere between 15 to 40%. Which is a huge number. And I think I would imagine if it's like even in the neighborhood of 40s, I have a hard time believing that that many people, they don't want orgasm. And I think it's just like maybe there's a sub part of the like maybe asexual kind of women or people who are not necessarily focused on orgasm that are okay with that. But I can imagine if this caused distress for many women who are struggling with being pre-orgasmic. Yeah, it causes so much stress and anxiety, fear, you know, this feeling of being broken. I think there's so many women struggling with it. And the thing that really breaks my heart when I work with these women is that every single one of them feels like she is so alone in this. She feels like she is the only woman in the world who must have this problem, the only woman who's struggling with this. And so that just adds this extra layer of you know, shame and sadness on top of it. So I think it's really important for us to recognize that orgasm is a challenge for so many women. So we can help women really truly understand that they are not alone in this. And I think part of the challenge, as you said, is that it, we don't talk about it enough. 
So many of my clients that are coming into my practice, they feel like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. My body is betraying me. Everyone else having this kind of a spontaneous, wonderful orgasm through penetration, and I'm just left out. Exactly. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's just really sad to see um, the anxiety that it can stir up for so many women. So I know as as part of my treatment, at times I recommend people to do masturbation. And I know that there's so, so many kind of like kind of shame and so much shame and disappointment and lots of negative emotions for some people are associated with that. I'm kind of curious, do you recommend masturbation? And if yes, what are some of the ways that recommend people to explore it if that's something that they haven't explored in the past? Yes, I am a huge fan of masturbation. I think it is the absolute best way to learn how to have orgasms on your own and actually with your partner as well. So I'm really glad that we're doing this interview in May since it's a national masturbation month. It's perfect timing. (laughs) So I think there's, so there's a bunch of stuff that comes up around this. First thing is that a lot of women will tell me that they feel really embarrassed about masturbation, that they got a lot of messages in their childhood that this was something that was sinful or gross, it's not something that good girls do, it's just not okay. And so I think first we need to start with the beliefs that we were taught about masturbation and to examine, you know, why is it that we feel embarrassed or ashamed of it? And really try to trace back in your history and get a sense of like, what were you taught about masturbation? When were you taught it? Who taught it to you? And then from there, taking a look at those beliefs and asking yourself, okay, this was something that I was taught in my childhood, but do I want to keep believing it now that I'm an adult? Now that I have agency, I get to make my own decisions. Do I want to let these beliefs continue to affect my life? And what are the ways that these beliefs are affecting my life? So I think that can be a very powerful process for a lot of women and helping them break down some of the mental barriers to exploring their own bodies. And then from there, so, you know, when you sometimes you'll read articles online about masturbation and you always see the exact same thing. It just says, you know, just explore, just explore your body. And like, yes, the idea of exploring is great, but you never see anything more than that. (laughs) So a lot of women tell me like, I, I, yeah, I read this article, but it actually made me feel worse to see it be talked about, you know, publicly because it just didn't give me anything. Mm -hmm. So a huge part of my work has been to get into the really nitty gritty specific details of exactly how to masturbate, exactly how to explore. So I'm actually really excited to um, share that I'm releasing this free four-part video series at the end of this month called The Female Orgasm Revolution, because everything you've been taught about orgasm is wrong. (laughs) And in that video series, one of the videos is going to walk through the step-by-step process that I use with my clients to teach them how to orgasm. So it goes over these four different steps and gives you really specific detail of how to explore them. So it's not just that vague advice. It's giving you really specific things to do. So that's just something that I'm so passionate about, trying to give that information to all women, making it accessible to everyone for free, because it's just like we deserve to have that really basic information about our bodies. Absolutely. And I think it's important to have, as you mentioned, guided information around it. So uh, we can definitely leave a link to that kind of opt-in and the website at the show note. But I think you agree with you that part of it's our belief, that kind of feeling of embarrassment around it. But the other part is 
people are thinking, at least many of my clients, when they're coming in telling me they feel like, oh my God, I'm that, I'm a loser that I need to bring myself to orgasm. Like kind of masturbation is for people who are not having real partners or their partners are not interested in their kind of like orgasm or they don't want to have sex with that. Do you hear about that? Yeah, I do hear a lot of women who will say that and and will tell me, well, I just want to be able to orgasm with my partner. That's it. And I think it's really important for us to recognize that we have a relationship with our sexuality that is separate from our partners in our relationships. So this is our body. This is our pleasure. It's our orgasm. And we deserve to have a good relationship with that. Um, It doesn't mean that, you know, if you're not in a relationship, you just shrivel up and have, you know, no sexual energy, no sexual relationship whatsoever. Like this is something that you carry with yourself inside of yourself throughout your entire life, throughout all of your relationships. And what I found when working with women is they might feel a little bit hesitant at first, not super on board, but once they've had that experience of teaching themselves how to orgasm, of finally having their very first orgasm, they recognize that it is incredibly empowering to do that. Like there really is nothing as exciting as being able to bring your own body to orgasm. So it might feel like, you know, but a chore or something you're not super interested in right now. But trust me, once you've been on the other end, you're going to recognize that this was such a worthwhile journey to take on. And I think the other piece is you learn things about your body that you can teach your partner. And I think that can be amazing knowing what to bring, how to, and like, what are some of the things that works for you and teaching that to your partner. Because, you know, many of our partners learn sex through either pornography or they learn it from the previous partner and maybe like they none of those things that they've seen is kind of congruent with what brings you pleasure and I think that can be very empowering to kind of learn like a transfer the information you have uh, through masturbation with your partner as well and I think it could be a practice for partner sex or it could be a form of self-love and self-care and I personally think it's one of like one of the things that women can put in their toolbox as a self-care model. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Masturbation has so many other benefits aside from just the physical pleasure. So it's definitely, it can be a great way to incorporate self-care. I mean, it can, it can relieve headaches. It can relieve menstrual cramps. It can help us go to sleep faster. So there are a lot of great reasons to do it. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I firmly believe that masturbation is also the best way to learn how to orgasm with a partner because you just learn so much valuable information in that process of discovering your own body that you you can then share with your partner. So it's not like you're starting with this totally blank canvas with your partner. You have all of this stuff that you can share with them. And the thing is that, you know, our, our partners like really want to know what we like. I think so many women struggle with this because we've been taught that female orgasm is so complicated and difficult. You know, we feel like a, a bother to our partners, but our partners really do want to understand our bodies and, and know what they can do to help make us feel good. One of my male clients was so funny. He said, like, you know, whenever I ask my partner about, honey, what you like? He said, like, you know what I like. <laughs> so, like, how would I know what, what she likes? And there's just a new lover. So, mm-hmm. and I think, like, many women fall into this kind of, like, mindset of, like, my, my partner has to know what brings pleasure for me, which again, people have this kind of general ideas, but 
all of our erotic bl- blueprints are very different. So it can be very important and it is very important to talk about what are some, what are some of the ways that you reach orgasm and what are some of the things that you want the partner to during like when you guys are doing the foreplay or sex or any kind of other kind of romantic and affectionate things that you guys are doing. Yeah, you know, there's a really similar dynamic where in, you know, in relationships, a lot of the times we don't want to have to tell our partner what we want. We want them to just do what we want without us having to say anything. So, you know, this totally happens outside of the bedroom all the time and it causes a lot of stress in relationships because it's actually impossible to read your partner's mind and to know exactly what they want and to be able to do it without them saying anything at all. So, you know, this is part of just being an adult is being able to recognize our own wants and desires, both sexually and non-sexually, and to feel confident communicating them with a partner. So it's the exact same thing around pleasure and orgasm. And what are some of the recommendations you have? So, for example, if someone is kind of like masturbating and they learn more things about themselves and they want to transfer their orgasmic capability from their kind of masturbation solo activities to the partner, what are some of your recommendations around that? Yeah, I would definitely use your masturbation as a way to teach your partner. So an easy way to start doing this is just to talk to your partner about your technique. You know, tell them what you've discovered you like, um, what kind of pressure do you like, what kinds of strokes do you like, you know, doing that. You can also show your partner, which can be incredibly sexy. If it feels really vulnerable for you to do that, you can do a bunch of different things. Like you could um, have the lights turned down the very first time that you do it so you don't feel like you're super on display, or you could ask your partner to masturbate alongside of you. So it's something that you're both doing together. You're both watching each other and learning from each other. So that way it makes it feel like a a really shared experience. And this can be super erotic. So it can be a lot of fun to do. Absolutely. And I think mutual masturbation is something else that I know many of my clients love doing. And I think when they get over the fact of like the kind of self-consciousness and feeling shy about it, and it can also teach your partner, as you mentioned, to better help you achieve an orgasm. And I think the other piece of it is like when you are talking about what you like and what don't you like, I, I usually recommend people to start from a positive place. Like when their partner is doing something, say, no, 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 I don't want it. <laughs> or do this kind of like maybe outside the bedroom, kind of telling your partner, honey, I love it when you do this. And yeah. can we do more of this other thing that's really erotic and attractive for me instead of kind of like kind of invalidating the person in the middle of the act about that all these things that they're doing that's not working. Yeah, I love using that tip as well. I think we get really nervous about giving feedback, but I think that so many people, they think of feedback in their head as something that needs to be negative, that you're telling your partner they're doing something wrong. But it's so much better for both people if you focus on the things that you like doing and trying to get even more of those things. And if the other thing I think that's helpful is just to give specific instructions, whether you're doing it with showing it yourself or whether you are kind of talking about it with the partner. Because as you mentioned, people are nervous and they make these vague statements and uh, what kind of means like light touch might feel different for me than my partner. And you can show them or you can kind of give them more detailed information about what usually works for you. Yes, yes, exactly. It's a great way to do it. Uh, So I want to kind of understand your thoughts about sex toys. Do you recommend it to your clients? 
Yeah, I think sex toys can be a great option for a lot of different reasons. I mean, they're definitely wonderful for exploring orgasm on your own. For men and women, they're you know, toys that uh, we can use and they can be fun to play with with a partner as well. So what are the kind of the beginner one you recommend? What are some of the favorites one that you talk about with your clients? So when it comes to vibrators for women who are trying to explore their orgasms, my favorite toys are made by this company named Minna Life, and they have one called the Limon and one called the Ola. They're just hands down by far and away over the period of like 10 years, they've been my favorite toys. They are having some issues with manufacturing, so they sometimes oh, no. are not always in stock, which breaks my heart, but they're just such great toys that I still mention them. So those are great toys. Um, I really like the Crave Duet. Uh, it's a really interesting toy for women as well. The Magic Wand is a classic one that can be really useful, um, especially for women who need a lot of intense stimulation. Um, that can be a great toy. And then I also like the Womanizer or the Satisfier. They're two different companies, but they use the same sort of technology where it's more of a suction rather than a vibration. So if you've used vibrators before and didn't like the sensation of the vibration, you might actually like one of these toys a lot better. So I have a recommended products page on my website. It's just vmtherapy.com com slash recommended hyphen products. And I really recommend purchasing toys directly from an authorized reseller. A huge mistake that a lot of people make is they buy toys on Amazon because a lot of times they're cheaper or you already have a prime membership, so it seems easier. But there's a huge problem with counterfeit sex toys, if you can believe it. So buying on Amazon is not a good idea. Oftentimes you will get a toy that is a counterfeit, which is kind of crazy. And I think the other piece of things. These are great, great recommendation. And also the other piece that if no, if someone that hasn't kind of masturbated with the toy before, or they haven't used it in the past, I think the first good place is maybe go to a sex shop and see it because then you can see what do they feel like? What do they look like? At times, I know in LA, we have the stores that they can give you a tour. They can give you information. So, mm-hmm. that, I mean, if you don't know what would be a fit, you can kind of look at them at the, like kind of there and then kind of touch them and kind of like to ask questions. And then maybe later on, you know, what sort of uh, toys will work for you in future. Absolutely. Yeah. I think going to a sex toy shop used to be this really sleazy kind of gross experience, <laughs> but nowadays there are so many amazing story, uh, stores that are female run. They're super friendly. They're very knowledgeable, trained staff. And so they've made the process of buying sex toys just so much easier where you can go in and ask lots of questions, you know, hold the different products and see what you like. And so it's, it's yeah, a lot easier than it used to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's more mainstream. You can just buy it at Sharper Image and some drugstores if you were looking yep. <laughs> for a vibrator, which is so amazing that it's like it becomes as common as as uh, like other products like condoms, which is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing about toys is that I always recommend that people make sure that the toy is made out of body safe material. So there are a lot of sex toys, especially the ones that you can buy kind of in the drugstore or in, um, you know, just online and like a a cheaper um, place. A lot of them are made out of materials that just are not super safe for the body. So it's definitely worth you doing a tiny bit of research, asking somebody at a store and just making sure that the toy is made out of body safe silicone or um, stainless steel or 
just anything that is body safe. Well, I, I didn't know about the toys not being body safe. I mean, I read this article that uh, like they were kind of like a while they were shipping some toys, they got melted and it turned out to this huge disaster and how unsafe was it? But I didn't know there, is there kind of like a big market for the toys that are not safe? I mean, is there like lots of products out there that they're not safe? So the thing is that the sex toy industry is actually very unregulated. So you can get away with using certain materials that, you know, otherwise wouldn't be able to be used. So one kind of little trick that you can do is if you look at the toy and on the back, it says for novelty use only, that almost always means that it's not made with body safe materials because they're using a little legal loophole to say, oh, it's just for novelty use only. It's not going to be going into someone's body. So they end up using you know materials that just aren't safe well thank you for that kind of like that information i, I never yeah. even read the box that's <laughs> interesting and what is for novelty only i mean i can understand if it's a clothing <laughs> but other than that i would imagine the main focus of many of these toys is just like putting it in your body or close to your body so that's kind of like alarming to hear that, that there are kind of products out there that they're not super safe. And as far as like washing the sex toys, is there any kind of like a specific shampoo or like how do you recommend people to wash them? It really depends on the toy. Um, you can find cleaners that are made specifically for sex toys, but it depends on the material that's used. So if you're using, you just want to look at the instructions that come with your toy or ask the person that works in the store. Some toys can be even thrown in the dishwasher. Some can be boiled in a, you know, just a pan of hot water. Some can be sprayed down with like a, a little spray that you can find there. Um, but you definitely want it to take a look at the instructions. Excellent. Thank you so much for all these wonderful tips because I feel if you never used sex toys or you don't know much about them, they can be very intimidating. People already have this kind of negative attitude about their genital and masturbation and then kind of like feeling kind of like dirty about all all things sex related. So I think it's important to kind of change that with exploring different different toys and different things that you can introduce in the relationship to make it more exciting. Relationships with yourself and your body and also with the partner. I can talk to you for hours because I can see <laughs> people have passion about this topic, but I know yes. that we are toward the end of our time and I know you have tons of great content. So if our listeners want to get a hold of you, what would be the best way to contact so the best way to find me is at vmtherapy.com. I have tons of free resources on my website, um, lots of different goodies. There's a blog with hundreds of posts. So you can um, head on over there. Definitely sign up for my website, uh, sign up for my email list on the website because I send out weekly emails covering, we do a different topic every month and we send out tons of free you know, advice and suggestions and all of that. Um, if you're interested in the Female Orgasm Revolution class that I mentioned, you can sign up for that at vmtherapy.com slash orgasm revolution. Um, so definitely check that out. And then um, in terms of social media, I am most frequently on Instagram. It's my current favorite platform. So you can find me there at Vanessa Marin Therapy. Excellent. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for your time. Guys, if you didn't get a chance to write down the information, you can find it in the show notes. And it was absolutely my pleasure to have you on the show. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Vanessa and you got some good information about tools and techniques that you can use 
to improve your sex life. And then I wanted to thank those of you who wrote us uh, reviews on iTunes. I got a review last week from Gorgon God from the US and he or she said, this podcast so helpful and has so much information. I love it. Thank you so much. I love you for listening. And if you have a moment and want to show us love, please write us a review on iTunes. It helps us to reach a broader audience. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.